get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, we'll see if good things will happen for us. What's up, everybody? We are back. Episode 11. We are just dishing it. We surpassed the the, the double-digit mark. We are here. Now we're in it. We're really in it, boys. Um, so excited to be here once again. Joined by another awesome guest who we will get to in a moment, but I'm going to check in with the fellas here. Producer extraordinaire Derek Hoskin. What's good, my friend? Busy concert weekend, I thought. Yes, yes, sir. Big concert weekend for uh, us at 26 Productions. Uh, we crushed crushed the Mount Joy concert at the Silver Lake Drive-In, and it was, uh, it was a success all around. And uh, looking forward to a really busy concert uh, schedule coming up. Yep, getting so. ready for that uh, Xander back-to-back Benihana show. It'll be really exciting down there at Silver Lake Drive-In. Um, John Tudor. Toods himself, fresh, fresh off the vacation. How you feeling? Feeling better, feeling good. It was nice to have a week off, play uh, a little bit of golf down south where it was nice and warm. Yeah, yeah. Coming yeah. back to a reality check here, though. Wrap but it up. Good to be back with you boys. <laughs> uh, but special shout out to our loyal following over in Finland. Um, oh man! Thanks That's to our, our Josh Kostner episode here. So international podcast, fellas. We're all over the world now. It's uh, one for the resume, basically. You know, just yeah. write it down, just real quick. We had our moment of fame in Finland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been really great to see. The obviously the support's awesome. Make sure you go give us a rating on the iTunes. If you listen through Apple podcasts, check us out on Spotify, the YouTube video, anywhere you get your podcasts. We appreciate the the support so far. Um, yeah, it's been awesome to see, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diddle around too much more here. We got a really cool conversation coming up. Um, one of the coolest, coolest guys I know, um, you know, he's a super talented guy, you know, loves his hockey, loves his music. And he is, so creative and it's it's amazing what what he's gonna be doing he's already done um happy to have him on here mr xander calhoun xander as we know him what's good buddy it's uh buddy i missed that intro i was looking down i was like oh i know we're coming in but we're coming yeah. in hot yeah That's... happy to be here on finland's number one uh hockey podcast you know quite an honor <laughs> so pleasure's, pleasure's mine yeah man um obviously You've you've been such a great supporter of the brand for for quite a while now. Um, we'll get into you. You know, you meet Nick and stuff in college, obviously. But you know, appreciate the support, and I know you got you're gonna have some, some good, exciting stuff coming up for your your music project um, that we're gonna dive into. But I mean, how's life been for you, dude? How, how's things been going? Life's been really great as of recently. Uh, no complaints over here. Uh, I was living in Arizona um, for about last two years. And then took a, a new good old corporate job in San Francisco, uh, but their office is closed. So it was a good opportunity to come back home to New York. Um, so right now, living with the parents, you know, living the good old dream over here in suburban New York. Uh, uh, but it, it's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been peaceful. Uh, it was good. I think I needed a mental reset where I was at in life. Um, so it was important to come back kind of get back to your foundations, your roots, uh, work on developing good habits and things like that and work and improve on the things you're already trying to, uh, to get going for you. So 
no complaints here, man. Life's been great. What about, you? what about you, big guy? What's no. new in the Benihana world? Oh, um, I wouldn't say a whole lot. I mean, the, this podcast has been cool. I've had, I feel lucky that I've had some awesome conversations with, you know, you know, 10 episodes feels like a lot for us, but we know in the big picture it isn't. Um, I'm, ex- I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, a lot of cool stuff going on with the brand. Um, you know, I, again, this is what another thing I was excited to talk to you. I need a creative spark back Ooh. sonically. I need it. I've been, I, it hasn't been there for me. You know, I've been doing the mixes and stuff, but the, the creative process for tracks has been very absent for me. Um, I think some, a lot of it was no shows, um, you know, working on my progress there. It's always something I, I have as a goal for myself, but what did, you know, you come from more of a music background. So like what, how do you stay inspired? What do you, what tools and tricks do you use? Oh, wow. Um, Getting right, right the fuck to it here, right buddy. Here. I was going to say, yeah, fuck Tuds over there. I guess we'll get to you after, um, but what keeps me inspired um, a lot? I mean, like that's such a generic question. So I'll definitely try and down in some specific areas, but I think <clears throat> listening to other people push the boundaries with music. Now, specifically for anyone who's listening, I produce electronic dance music, right? Um, that is a big genre in itself. So there's other tons of subgenres that fall under it. it could be house, dubstep, like future based, things like that. So the boundaries are always being pushed in different genres, which is really cool to hear. There's a lot of young talent that is unrecognized right now, not on show lineups, doesn't have millions of plays on Spotify, but they make some of the best music. And so I always make it an effort to really dive in and go beyond just having Spotify feed me new artists to listen to, um, but really try and find the the new wave of young artists that are making some really dope shit. Uh, and they, they always, the general trend is really, they say, fuck the rules, whether it's, something as major as music theory or just kind of what is generically being played, what's popular. Um, and they just make what they want to make. And it's really inspiring when I look at it that way. Like a good example is more kismet. If you know the guy's name, mm-hmm. 15 years old. Right. And he's making some of the gnarliest shit out there in the scene. Unlike anyone else has and bending these rules. And now people who are high up there and already established touring the world, you know, 200 days a year are looking at people who are 15 who are in their mom's, you know, basement and going to high school and they're making some of the gnarliest shit out there. So I, I really, I think the music I listen to plays a big impact in that and what I discover um, because then I will get like source inspiration. So like more kismet might make some really cool leads that I like. Right. But maybe a guy like Jaron, for example, makes some like super over distorted and saturated kind of noises. Right. And I kind of like pool um inspiration from there and kind of come up with this hybrid on my own and experiment so i think listening is a big way um but also creating different things so yeah i produce edm but to stay creative and to keep my mind there i can't just sit down and make edm each day right i i have to express my musical ability i think a good example would be I was feeling really vibey for some reason. And so I broke out the old uh, Rhodes electronic piano kind of VST um, through an Ableton was playing some cool, like, you know, major seven, major nine chords, uh, getting things really funky and laid out a pattern. And then 
I realized that it was in the same key of Peaches in Georgia with Justin Bieber. So I was like, there's got to be some scuffed acapella out there. And just threw it in and made this like K-Tronada-esque like hybrid groovy beat. And it, and it was so fun making it. Did it, it took like literally two two sessions. But the, the smile and the joy that it brought me to listen being like, damn, this is so funky. Like you can't resist <laughs> that is the things that inspire me to keep making music like even those little little victories um so i guess to sum that all up is really producing outside your element right because that's where you might get other creativity for me it's making funky stuff so how can i incorporate funky stuff a good example would be um i was making this future based tune and the intro and the verse were a copy and paste from the first drop so i was like how can we spice it up and then i was like well i'm gonna put a synth wave section in there because fuck it and did it go with the feel of the track? Like, kind of, yeah. Like, I made it work, but it was not something a listener would anticipate. And then I was like, well, how can I make this funky? And I said, well, I could take a cool lead, sound design it, and go shred some cool solo over it. So I was just looping it and playing around, you know, ripping the pitch bend in the mod wheel. And I made a cool sounding, like, melody go over yeah. it. And that really came directly from coming up with this random nonsense Peaches remix type beat that was funky right and then that plays into the big picture thing so it, it really keeps your brain occupied in different musical dimensions and things like that um but yeah i i feel you on the lack of inspiration too because sometimes when not, neither of those are going you kind of have to look at yourself and be like fuck on my own inspiration like let's make this happen yeah uh, so yeah i think a big the last thing would be now that shows are kind of coming back you know you got arizona open texas florida when you see it's bad to compare other people, but like we do it as humans, when you see other people in that spotlight, right. And you see them throwing down shows. Like every time I look at that, I say, fuck, like I, I want to be there so bad. And with COVID and no shows happening, like a lot of that was gone. So kind of for me, I use it as positive, like reinforcement that like, I can be there. Like I will be there. Um, and use that as motivation to be like, I can't wait to get to a point like that one day or even bigger. So Xander, listening to some of that stuff too, and you're talking about music theory, playing um, some solos, keyboard, that kind of thing. I mean, how did how did you get into music? I mean, pretty clear you were kind of classically trained, yeah. younger, things like that. It wasn't something you just picked up later on in life. It sounds like, like yeah, my dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Sh shout out, Mama. Um, my mom's a music teacher. Uh, she went to school for it. Um, little fun fact about her, and then we can get into all that. She went to school at uh, SUNY Potsdam, um, went to the Crane School of Music there um, back in the late 70s, early 80s. And I don't know if you ever heard of this uh, Olympics, Lake Placid 1980 Winter Games, how are you? But heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, then the Olympics really weren't as big as they are now. As like a grand whole production, NBC, you know, like all these choreographed things. It really wasn't as fancy. So... They were looking for a cheap way to get the um what are they called like the opening ceremonies the medal ceremonies and the closing ceremonies to have music because there's tons of national anthems and back then you don't have the technology to just hit play and pause like and have a pre-recording done um so they contracted the crane school of music and like their music students to perform at the winter olympic games um, wow. So fun fact, my mom was actually at the Miracle on Ice game. First hockey wow. game she ever went to. She, she was dating my dad at the time and was like, oh, Ken's big in hockey. Oh, there's this game going on. And she had the wall access pass, like the whole nine yards. So she was like, yeah, I'll just come see what this game's about and go to the fucking Miracle on Ice game. Like, wow. <laughs> 
hell of a first game. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's hard to hard to trump that one and, and find a better hockey game to attend. Um, so yeah, she she dedicated her career to to music performance and education. And genetically speaking, like my sister and I were born and put at an advantage where it really was like in our blood. Um, so, excuse me, I started taking private lessons seven second grade that started in piano fourth grade we pick up an instrument um i chose trombone just because it looked obnoxious and cool and i was like <laughs> fuck yeah i want to do that so <laughs> i picked up the trombone right um i have a vivid memory i was in like fourth grade first day i got it back home i was like marking up and down my long driveway just blasting so ignorantly because i was yeah. so stoked to be involved in music and my mom was just like what on earth are you doing <laughs> Cause it a commotion. So yeah, fast forward then until I feel like the end of high school, you know, I'm playing in band, um, playing in orchestras, jazz bands, like a bunch of different ensembles and things like that. And, um, you know, you, your diversity and include uh, the inclusion, in all these different diverse ensembles, I guess I should say, you know, really pays, uh, <sighs> It plays a big role because it allowed me to understand different styles and how to apply myself as a trombone player, but also it's reinforcing, right? These like um, musical habits and it could be something from as simple as practicing or another thing, um, humble brag, but if you know what pit, uh, perfect pitch is, right? When I was in high school, like I had very close to perfect pitch. We call it strong relative pitch, which is basically somebody could play a note and I could tell you what note that is. Um, so it's, it, I was at that point really. Uh, so yeah, like where do I get that? I mean, I, I was in band class every day. You tune to an F and a B flat. So I have those two dialed in my brain and orchestra, you tune to an A and a D. So there's four notes that are permanently embedded in my brain. And, you know, I kind of based it off that and was like, well, if it's a G, I know what an A sounds like. So we'll go down, a, you know, two steps, or two half steps there. So like shit like that, man. Um, I, it, I didn't do it by choice. Like, I, it's not like I was forced, but you know, when you're in band, you, you practice every day. So <laughs> like a lot of these things get built over time. And the funniest part about it is I fucking hated practicing. I genuinely got to a point where I never did it in high school. And all my band teachers despised my guts because I was this kid who had so much like raw talent with the trombone, but I didn't give a single fuck, right? I played hockey, right? I played lacrosse. All I cared was about sports. And that doesn't yeah. fly well with band directors because you have, you know, uh, rehearsals that you have to meet. And I'm like, sorry, I got a game in Long Island like <laughs> later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I never wanted to apply myself with the trombone. And then I got into college, saw DJing. I was like, that's sick. Like, what? And I, it looks like this crazy, crazy, like, collection of just timing and rhythm and all these bright flashing lights i'm sure benny can back me up but like you're no more than a play pause technician and oh, i was yeah. definitely like flattered by like the whoa what are you doing it's so sick like these songs whoa and then once i realized and had somebody explain it to me in musical terms it was like you just match eight measures of music before another eight measures of music and then you just time it that's about it and i was yeah. like it's that fucking easy so i took that and ran with it and had a bunch of cool opportunities and then i got to a point where like it was too easy, essentially. And I really enjoyed performing, right? I, I spent my whole life performing in different ensembles throughout elementary school, middle school, high school. And then, you know, it's the same thing, except it's just me. It's a solo instead of a whole band behind you. 
So I was very comfortable in that position. I enjoyed doing it and expressing musical ability to then make other people happy and have a good time. But then there's that realization where it's like, well, you can't get anywhere as a DJ. There's no more like DJ college days where you can come to fame and not make anything for music. Now DJ AM, like you can't do that anymore. No, no. Like the, the days of all the DJs who just play music and that's it or scratch and things like that. It's kind of over. Like you have to have music to put out. And so I was a senior in college and I graduated, came home. And I kind of pumped the brakes and starting my professional career. And I was like, you know what, mom, you're going to fucking hate me, but uh, I'm going to stay at home and learn how to produce music in a computer. And once I'm at a point where I feel comfortable and know what I'm doing, I'll get a job. And she was like, is this a joke? Like, like, <laughs> serious? And I'm like, yep. I, I literally just full committed to it. And it, it was really challenging at times. You know, I have the like subconscious pressure of all my friends from college starting careers working in the city like moving to california and i'm just like oh like just trying to like learn how to produce music in ableton like yeah hanging out with all the fucking high school degenerates that haven't done anything with their life in the hometown like you know it, it eats out your brain and shit like that but you know i i remember like 16 hours a day my schedule was just wake up eat and then it would be produce until i got to a point where i couldn't i'd go to the gym so you get that pre-workout kicking in. And then after the gym, I come home and produce some more until like two, three in the morning and do it all over again. I did that for about seven months. Um, and I felt comfortable at a point where I could make a track like start to finish. I could like get ideas out in my head and put them into a digital audio workstation and things like that. Um, and then I was like, fuck yeah, let's take a job. So now I don't have to worry about learning how to make music. I can just practice something I already know. Um, so there's your long answer to my music world and how it all started but yeah oh, that's that's incredible to me because i remember a couple years ago when i met benny he was playing some of his stuff for me we were on a pond hockey trip down to binghamton um oh yeah the rest of the, played in that <laughs> rest of the edition boys benny's sitting in the passenger seat of my car and i had met this kid like a week before we got this four-hour drive and he's just playing his mixes and I was picking his brain at all this stuff because I'd always heard EDM music, but I don't have a music background. So I thought like what you were saying about DJs where it's like, oh, yeah, like you just press play and like put stuff together. And then Benny was like, no, listen to this. Like, that's like your snare drum or like, listen to this. Here's the other sound. And then I was like, wait, holy shit. Like, I never put two and two together that this was actually like real music theory coming into it i thought it was just a bunch of computer generated sounds but that's incredible to me how you can put all those things together and just create something out of nothing yeah it's that's why i love doing it because the, there's a lot that's been created but you know the possibilities are infinite um so there's tons of room for creativity and that's what i like that's what i like about it what yeah, about I, you? Well, sorry to interrupt, Tud. So who the fuck yeah. are you? Give me an so, intro or something. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard a little bit about you just from uh, from Benny and Kev. But yeah, I just met these boys out here a couple years ago. Um, got involved with the brand, just playing pickup hockey and beer league and showing up to some pop-up shops and stuff like that. And then last summer... Um, I got a text from Benny when I woke up hung over on my buddy's couch on vacation and he was right, like, Hey man, know. like want to start, want to start a podcast for, uh, for justition. I think you'd be the co-host, uh, that I'm looking for. And I just remember reading the text and I was like, 
yeah, I'm in. And then just like rolled over, like went back to sleep, like didn't know what was going to happen. And then he just like started texting me more about it. It was like, yeah, man, like I'm excited for this. Let's do it. We started meeting uh, just Benny and I last summer on Skype. And I'm sure he has them somewhere. And we would just record the two of us talking like this for like an hour and a half on Skype. And it's probably some of the most cringy conversations ever. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we just we got into it like that, and now we're we're ten episodes in here, interviewing the uh, the last of the undrafted in the '96 uh, uh, yeah. NHL draft class. So there you go, fun fact for anyone listening. It's still an undrafted '96, looking for the opportunity. You know, it, it just kind of takes the right team and like the right time, um, but. You know, still fielding offers. So feel free to uh, look me up on SoundCloud. You can find my personal email there and get in contact with me. And I'll uh, send you my huddle mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. any any team would be lucky to get you because as we, as we all know from, you know, listening to some of the NHL guys talk, every team needs that guy in the locker room running the ox, getting the boys going before the game. So, I mean, if you can play and do that, yeah, I got to believe there's a role I, somewhere. I was about to say, are you assuming I like have no hands or a hockey IQ? I'm just a locker room guy. <laughs> no, that's me, but I also can't control the music, so that's a problem. I was going to say because uh, your assumption's spot on. I'm fucking <laughs> <laughs> spot on. Yeah, no, I oh, I can certainly get the boys bumping in the locker room. It's it's all about the morale, you know. Like everyone needs a glue guy, and we talk about it in video games. Someone's got to be at the bottom of the leaderboard, right? Yeah, it unites the boys together. So I'm I'd be happy to spark that any day so what i want to ask you to kind of a little bit off topic from the music is a little bit into the hockey career i know you played with cav um you know a little bit there at ub right um you got any good cab stories for us i mean i'm always looking for good cab stories <laughs> so um i actually didn't play hockey with cab at ub i i got to ub i was going to try out for the club team um, but it was so like so new into my freshman year of college. I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna pump the brakes. Like I did, just finished orientation, you know. Like and then you you get there for your first week and tryouts were before school started. I'm like, well, like shit. Like I haven't even like soaked in college, and that was kind of like my main priority at the time. So I I held off on uh, going for club hockey my first semester. Um, ended up playing club lax in the spring just because I had my feet warm in college and everything and like adjusting to the lifestyle. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll try and, you know, sophomore year fall. No problem. And I tore my ACL literally in practice, oh. like three days before the first game um, for lacrosse. It was miserable, miserable, so painful. And that pretty much sums up the rest of my athletic career. <laughs> wow. So we did not get to play club. It just wasn't worth trying to re-injure something. Like I, I wasn't sure. going to make the show or anything. So just a men's league beer league hero um yeah but yeah good cab stories um it was kind of weird i like i knew a justician like right when it started i don't know where i saw him i'm pretty sure it was just like through twitter um back when like now you, do you have the castle hat on Oh, yeah, absolutely. Phil Castle yeah. is my favorite player. Yeah, you know, with the hot yeah. dogs or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Like that, we're talking like old days. Yeah. So I I remember things like that or like the the Tim Horton shirt too. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the Sabres colors. Like th this stuff was popping up on my social media feed. I was like, oh, they're cool. Like sauce them a follow. Nothing, nothing thought of it. And then we go to senior year of college and 
I go on a study abroad trip. And we're doing orientation. This kid's talking to one of our teachers uh, who's running the trip. And he's talking about, oh, I got this brand, blah, blah, blah. He's a business card. And I look at the logo. I'm like, why do I know that logo? And it was sure enough, gestation, but it was like the old one, like just the JDH <laughs> logo. Like you got Tuds yeah. and it had like the red stripe and it had like the hockey. It's like what's on the neck tag uh, of the yep. t-shirt. It's like that on a business card. Oh, G business cards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. take it way back. And so then that's where me and Nick met. Um, but, you know, this is spring break of my senior year. So, you know, at that point, I have like two months left of college um, and I only hung around Buffalo until September. So me and Cav just kind of like met weirdly crossing paths on my back end. Um, but in, I mean, in Costa Rica, yeah, like we, we have a couple stories uh, <laughs> for sure. Cause now, now we're in a foreign country uh, and uh, you know, you get to see like the real side of someone. So me and Cav become buddied up just because like, Oh, you play hockey. I play hockey. Sweet. Everyone else is a bunch of fucking nerds in this trip. <laughs> Except for like two, three people that were good people. Um, so me and Gav's just like shooting the shit after each orientation before we go away for the trip and whatnot. This isn't like January, I think. Um, and then we, we kind of like hung out here and there, but then finally we go on this trip. Right. And so Nick picks me up. We drive to Toronto. He parked his car there. I think we were away for like a week and a half. So he left it there. He gave me a ride to the airport, which is sweet. So stoked. it's like my first real time, like hanging out with him. And then, um, <clears throat> then we got to go explore Toronto and like now I'm starting to like pick up on his personality. Like he seems like a cool, like guy, guy's guy, but then you can tell he's just like also kind of shy. Like Benny, I'm, I'm sure, you know, yeah, like he's man. not the most outspoken. And now, now Cavs put in a big city like Toronto and you, I start to see him like freeze up socially. He's kind of like, mm, mm, like uh. he's, he gets that anxiety kicking and he kind of shuts down. So I was like still confused trying to get a read on him. And so I was like, all right, that wasn't that bad. Then he starts calling himself Airport Cavo. And I was like, who is this guy, right? <laughs> I, I I literally, there's no explanation behind Airport Cavo other than it's just Cavo at an airport. So, <laughs> so then I'm just like, we're drinking Molson's in the, uh, in the airport, like lobby, getting ready to go. And I was just like, all right, like, this guy's pretty interesting, whatever. And so... Like I said, you thought it was bad in a big city, Toronto, freezing up. Imagine in a country where he doesn't know how to speak the native language. <laughs> this dude was fucking so awkward every time, every time. And his Spanish accent were so bad. Now, I spoke French growing up in like middle school, high school. So I don't know a lick of Spanish either. But like, at least I'm trying. You know, Cow was over there like, yo, tango, sir, visa. I'm like, you're that dumb. <laughs> so he, he was having a rough time adjusting to the culture. And then finally, like, I oh, I think the best memory of, of me and him. So we the last day we're in Costa Rica. Um <laughs> we end up going out. So it's like we have flights at like five in the morning, six in the morning. Um, but they were like, all right, that's the end of your trip, you're free to go out. And we were staying at a hotel, so we're like the whole group was like, fuck it, let's go out in Costa Rica. Why not? And for anyone listening, this is not like the the, the beautiful resorts on like the East Coast, West Coast beach where you're, you have the most five-star resorts, golf courses. No, no, no. We are in San Jose, the dead center capital of Costa Rica. And we're the only white people, just to be clear. So it's like, it's it's a different setting. Um and I don't think Cavill really appreciated that limelight. So we get a little tipsy beforehand. We're pregame pretty hard. We go to go out and 
I'm oh gosh. So like we're all having a good time. And then Nick got like pretty drunk and then he starts shutting down that anxiety kicked in because he doesn't know how to speak Spanish. And like, I'm sitting there partying, have a good time. And he's like, tap me on the shoulder. He's like, what? Why is that guy looking at me like that? I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? He's like, that guy, he's like, no, I don't like this. I don't feel safe. And so he was, he was just like freaking out. And I was like, what is good with you? And so finally, like he, he ended up saying he's just like dude i was for uh, like the it's not really funny but like the dude had like a panic attack in the middle of costa rica <laughs> and we're sitting there in this loud bar ripping like spanish tribal house music i can't hear a word he's saying and he's like i'm freaking out dude <laughs> like i need oh, to get man. out of here oh that was hilarious and then another one we were at this uh this place up on like the the east coast kind of right by where panama meets costa rica we're in this beach town and we ended up getting pretty rocked and like we had the night to ourselves so we go out into like this beach town start getting after it at dinner and whatnot and then nick being nick is like dude i'm trying to smoke right now and i'm like good luck we're in costa rica you don't know how to speak spanish <laughs> and somehow this guy teams up with this other kid not you benny but this other guy benny and um on our trip and next thing you know nick's like texting me he's like yo dude come smoke and i'm like what <laughs> nick nick is waffled so cross-faded and then he was like yeah dude <laughs> and a great memory of him is just interacting with cross-faded cavo the entire time like that whole night whoa people were, it, was, it was a shit show overnight but like just fu funny seeing that dude in such a strange element just living his life yeah, yeah that's quite the introduction to him also yeah, he's he's a special boy for he's, sure. He's a special. He is a special human being. Is, there's nobody like him. That yeah, is very unique. Very. It's unique. awesome. That's you hear a lot of just you stories like that where it's there's someone's got unique story about him. Just for the boys, he's he's awesome. He, you know, hardworking kid. It's you know, no matter what, even in the moment when he's like. I'm freaking out, man. He's like, somehow he still gets you to like feel good or chuckle or something. Like yeah. he's just, he's, his energy is amazing. Stand up guy. Stand up yeah. Guy. But um, yeah, what, um, you know, so what was kind of like the fallout from, the, from that trip? Like, did, you know, did you have a lot of interaction with him after? Or was that kind of like a, the main, the main core of like the introduction and stuff? Like how yeah. did it? That's kind of where after. that's kind of where things just got warmed up because you know we're strangers in January when you meet at like the orientation classes and whatnot. And I think we go on this trip probably like March, and so you know then we have the rest of graduation and whatnot. With uh, with me, I think he was a sophomore then, but obviously he played junior hockey, so he's older than me. I think I was twenty one. He was probably like what twenty seven. No, he's probably. Hey, those those gray hairs tell you something different, but it's okay. I got a few of them myself. <laughs> um, so he was older than me, and um, I think at that point, you know, you go abroad to a different country where you both don't speak the language and you're complete strangers, but like you both go through that experience together. You know, it really brings you closer, um, just because you, you you know you have someone who did it with you, and and you have those memories to look back at, and it was kind of like a 
it really escalated our friendship because you sit there and look at it and you're like, shit, you know, if we didn't have this, we'd probably just be bullshitting around college, you know, like doing normal college things. But instead we have such like a core memory to look at that really like sparked yeah. everything. And so really the remainder of that year, like I was, I was graduating, like I was kind of in my own world and Nick was kind of lost to be honest. Um, he didn't really know where he wanted to go. He was in business school, but at this point he's finishing up his sophomore year. So like you're not taking upper level classes, you're taking a bunch of like BS, um, Gen Ed, Gen Ed. yeah, dude, like they're miserable. And so that's not going to help you with giving you like career direction, and whatnot. And so he knew at the time he was like, dude, I'm not getting good grades right now. Business school sucks. Like I don't like any of the things you're doing. I don't know what I do with my life. And I was like, dude, like it's all good. So really, from from then on, it was more of like a weirdly enough a mentor for him as a, at, at a younger age though. Um, and I kind of just gave gave him good good advice about what he needs to do and like look himself in the mirror. Like, where are you at now? Where do you want to go? How are you going to get there? And a lot of the times, I remember phone calls from Nick. Like, he's like, "Dude, I'm going to drop out of school. I'm doing it. I'm doing it tomorrow." Just saying, "Fuck this shit." And I was like, "You know what? You you really can't." And it had nothing to do with like him needing school to graduate, but you know, his mother was the one who was like you need to go graduate and i was like if you want to do what you love at the end of the day big first step is get your parents off your back be like here here's my degree see you later like fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> um so i made sure just to to keep him motivated keep his head there in school and i was like you don't need a's like you're not going to get a job with your degree um and things like that you just need to say you did it and move on and make sure you're putting in the building blocks and like the framework for what you want to do when you're older. Um, and so then he knew a lot more. He was like, well, I want to go into communications. I like media. And he was really just getting into video editing at the time with Nick. Um, and so me being someone who is similarly in a position where I like music, I like DJing, but I'm learning how to produce music. Um, and I know music is my passion where he was like, well, I'm starting to get into video editing. Um, and video editing is my passion, right? And media and things like that nature. And so it was easy to bounce back and forth, just simple motivation, right? Um, and so even though like at some points I was a mentor to him, like at that point, now we're just friends, right? Because we're just talking about being better than just a normal person who just walks through fucking life, plateauing, doing nothing like that they care about. And we're like, no, we're not built to be like that. And I think it takes like-minded individuals who want to go after the things that they're most passionate about in life and you need those around you in your circle to help you go like internally after what you want. Um, and you're not going to get that when you're at business school, right? With all those fucking squids just sitting there in class, like just going through the motions. No. Um, so, so really with Nick, like that whole stint when I was at Buffalo from like since Costa Rica till when I ended up leaving in September, um, it was a lot of just like, deep life talks right about where we want to go like what we want to do and how we're going to get there uh and things like that and then also can't can't forget those early morning uh what is it at the harbor center we would always hit up uh morning skate those 6 a.m oh, ones too oh, wednesday yeah. mornings baby yeah, oh, yeah. Harvard, I think yeah. There, were, there were monday wednesday mornings then maybe uh, so fun though like yeah. we're waking up at the ass crack of dawn cava lived right down the road for me so he'd pick me up or i'd pick him up and i remember i'd go to bed at like midnight the night before have class the next day and i was like fuck it i would wake up in a heartbeat for hockey don't know why my internal alarm clock was like let's go so we wake up at like 4 45 picks me up go to harbor center we get in a good skate and then we'd hit uh we hit a spot after for breakfast 
and a coffee and kind of get the day going from there. And so like, you know, that, that definitely solidified a lot of our friendship too, because it's like you, you have the deep life talks you on that Avenue, but I think an important part is just having fucking fun. Right. Yeah. So we're out there and we're just shooting the shit, playing hockey, uh, pick up. I mean, Griffin, Griffin was there too. And his brother, a lot of the times and a bunch of familiar faces. So it was fun. Like we're shit talking with the boys and it's like ass crack of dawn. Everyone else is asleep, but you know that those are some fond memories man um and then we've just kept in touch virtually really ever since and i think we've just had like such a strong foundation from the start and we just keep building off that he was literally one of the first people to visit me when i went to arizona he was just like fuck it bought my flight i'm out there and i was like i didn't even know my way around phoenix yet but it was like fuck it <laughs> nick cow is here how are you um yeah so yeah there's there's a little insight on me and him uh, that's awesome i mean talk about some of like you know that life experience you're talking about, you know, kind of touching on with your relationship with Cav. So I know you've experienced those similar feelings and situations and other aspects of your life. How have you applied that to like, you know, this, the Xander project, if you will, like, what's your, what's your vision for that? How have you been approaching it? How has it changed from when you first started and, you know, kind of dive into that a little more. Yeah. Um, hmm. With me and myself, um, and how I've approached being an artist, you know, like one, I remember it was like senior year, college, uh, really towards the back end, like after Costa Rica, um, similarly at the time where me and Nick are trying to find each other, like our own selves and what we're going to do. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to make my Instagram man, like handle instead of just at that point, it was just like, I don't know, Alec Calhoun, I think some shit like that i was like it's sanders music and like why because it was my way of coming out to the world it's like hey i care about this stuff and i'm gonna go after it i really don't care what you fucking think of it um and you know from the start there gosh you know i have no fucking idea what i was doing but i just knew i was committed to that and honestly not much has changed i still don't know what the fuck i'm doing but i know i want to go <laughs> after that and i think that's the beauty of i guess we can call entrepreneurs whether it's you know gestation a clothing line brand or wanted to be a be an artist and tour the world and play your music right it's all an entrepreneur hustle um for sure and it's always going to be like adapting and changing and, and growing and i think it takes a person who's comfortable with that kind of change right and adapting to certain circumstances um especially adverse ones right to to continue to grow and push forward um so like for me i've always been like kind of a deep intellectual guy so like a touch on with Cavo, you know, like always having those kind of like deep convos with the homies and things like that. Right. Or whether it's uh, other friends, family, like could be in a relationship, you know, I've never been one to shy away from those conversations. And I think that's because I've also never shied away from it internally, you know, before you have any conversation about deep life things with a homie or a friend, like those are questions you also have to address to yourself. If not, that it's going to be one big, I don't know of a fucking conversation. Right. Um, so, that comes to self-realization. I've always been real and upfront and honest with myself. And I think that's a really like good thing too. It's because being so real with myself, it allows me to just openly critique myself. It's like, okay, what are you doing? Okay. What could you be doing better? And things like that. And applying that to music, you know, a lot of it, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And it's like, okay, well, what should you be doing? Right. And for like a good example is now it's like, I need to be releasing the music I've written. I've been stockpiling on a lot. 
like an arsenal of releases and i've just hit a point where i was like all right let's let's take a break from just producing and let's just get those mix and mastered now let's start releasing because you're at a point where you're confident in your musical ability um you're happy with the things you've written creatively speaking wise and how they sound so it's like let's show the world um and that you know like i mentioned it comes from just being open and honest with yourself um but your other question in terms of like the brand and the approach and all that stuff uh with myself i i mean we always joke around we say nitty gritty junior shout out nitty gritty if you're listening if not <laughs> subscribe leave a review just dishing it baby um but yeah um nitty gritty does it really well where simply said he produces a wide variety of electronic dance music we talked about those genres and subgenres, right there's a fucking million but he'll make anything under the sun and it's going to be a slapper yep. it, the quality is there the production is there right um it's always always unreal and he does it across so many genres and that takes talent right but that also takes a high level of understanding from music when i look back at myself when i first wanted to get into music my vision was never to pigeonhole myself in a genre i think maybe when i was like 20 it was in like 2012 and once he, I don't know, Jaws, I was like, that's sick. I'm going to be a bass house DJ. Nah. But like, yeah, that Jaws style of bass house is kind of dead, right? But, you know, for me, uh, you know, I've always had this wide view of music in, in a lens that incorporates a ton of genres. And outside of EDM, like we talked about my upbringing musically um, and things like that. So I like classical music. Like I played in jazz and classical ensembles and like concert bands, things like that. And so it, it kind of made sense. It's like I've grown up around so many different styles of music. When it comes down to me producing music, I'm going to produce a lot of different styles, um, which was challenging at first, starting to like learn Ableton and learn how to get the ideas up here into a computer. Oh, yeah. Because um, there's so many things I want to accomplish, but it's like, all right, we need to like strip it down really simple and understand what the fuck we're doing in a DAW. And then once I got to a point where I was comfortable making good music, then it's just, it just comes from um what we touched about uh, touched up on before with like uh what keeps you motivated like wh what feels that passion it's like producing different styles right so i'd make a bass house track and i'd be like dude that's sick right like oh my god i really impressed myself there and i was like all right cool and then boom next day i'm making something future based emotional right um and writing like an emo pop punk like edm banger and I'll be like, all right, sick, that's done. And even recently, like the song that's going to be released soon, Future Rhythm, right? I've never made fucking hard music in my life like that, let alone like melodic infused heavy bass music. And so all I did was just listen to a couple songs and like take mental notes of what they do. And I was like, all right, fuck it, let's do it ourselves. And then luck of the draw, boom, another one came out. Um, so I've, I've been really good at mastering the approach of making quality music amongst different genres. And now we're kind of at a time where we have to strategically release those, which is a whole nother curve uh, or a whole nother like ball game, I guess you could say to kind of tackle. Um, oh, yeah. Cause it's important, you know, coming out as an artist to say like, all right, here's a song I made, but also don't expect only this from me, which is a very common assumption people have. Um, and I think that will come through just having a multitude of releases that get, you know, good attention, um, good marketing behind them. Uh, hopefully a couple of big label signs and, if I can do that early, it'll show to everyone, okay, listen, I can make quality music across the board. And then they'll get the impression. It's like, yep, here we are. You know, we know not to expect only bass house from Xander. And, and expect like the that. unexpected. Exactly, baby. Boom. Yeah. Is that is that nerve wracking to release 
something that you've spent so much time and energy on not really i mean obviously you know it's well done you love your product but when you release that is it nerve-wracking before you get that feedback like what are people going to think about this oh fuck yeah dude it's crippling (laughs) (laughs) it's crippling man i I mean personally i've sat here like what's a good explanation or an example rather i have this song i wrote um april 2020 uh was fueled by some breakup with a girl literally and i poured those emotions into writing out lyrics uh with a friend of mine mike and we came up with this like alternative pop punk jam and i think i literally wrote it in three days it was done and what's changed from that day three till now enough to make it like a lot better but like realistically nothing right the framework is still the same the sounds are still the same i got it to 90 percent in three weeks but in a year and a half i got it to like 90 to 100 and wow i think i think it could be really crippling especially as these like songs i write kind of stay stale in there because then there's the fear of like okay this was cool a year and a half ago but is it still cool now right does is that style still in is that style dead um things like that right is my production quality better now could i make this but better do i have to rewrite the song like there's tons of things that'll pop in my head um but at the end of the day i i think the biggest way for me in overcoming that was just kind of being open and honest with myself it's like i have really good music sitting doing absolutely fucking nothing (laughs) and it's not helping my artist career it's hurting it if anything right i'm not getting anywhere and you know you see other people releasing other kinds of music and i'm just like they can do it why can't i um but i ended up reading this book by uh i don't know if you know the artist russ that like rapper pop singer yeah it's called all it's all in your head um and it's like a quick short read but it's kind of walks you through the life of russ Mm -hmm. from start to finish um and breaks down how he handled just working on music for so many years releasing it and all the things that kind of come from it um and it was an awesome read i think it was something i needed to to read i had stopped like i didn't have much inspiration with music wasn't producing anything new wasn't releasing anything so i'm like fuck what, what are we gonna do and i think it was time to just take a step back and focus and like readjust and shoot so read that book soaked in a lot of inspiration and things like that and I, I think at the end of the day, one of the chapters was like, just jump off the fucking cliff. Who cares? And it's funny because that's always some some type of like philosophy I would follow. I never gave a fuck about what other people thought of me. Like I mentioned, I was like, fuck it, changing my Instagram handle. Senior year, I'm an artist now. Right? I don't give a fuck what they say, but now it's like release music. And I'm like, fuck. And it's like, what's changed? Really nothing, but it's just that much bigger. Right? And so, it, I mean, just like the title of the book, it's really all in your head. I am my biggest enemy right and it, it's all about overcoming your mind um and just doing it so i was able to learn a couple things uh and reinforce some good habits have already started uh and i think that put me in a lot better of a mental headspace and since then i've just been focused on taking all those songs that i have sitting at like 90 percent, right and bringing them to 100 percent and getting them released um so there yeah there <laughs> lots of heat in there yeah absolutely you, lots you, of heat. you send a good amount to me but you don't send enough so yeah <laughs> get the demos in my inbox all right oh absolutely we'll, we'll we'll fire them up in your inbox slide in those dms oh yeah big time lots of dude i mean 
there's been a few sessions where I've got to sit with you and just screen share, rip through one of your projects, a couple different ones. And you not only with the musical knowledge that you would like put my brain in a pretzel sometimes without even really trying, but you have this, this ability, um, this kind of patience and strategic thinking. And I don't almost like you can tell you got, you were raised by a teacher. Not only that, like, like, is that something that you worked on or have paid any attention to other than when I just told you just now? I mean, yeah, heard that before. Uh, it's, you know, I got music, I got teaching from my mom, you know, biggest, biggest hero right there. But like even my summer or summers, um, UB, we had long winter sessions uh, for some reason. I think because the uh, medical school was on trimesters. And so we'd get out like early December and we wouldn't go back to school like second week of February. And so, you know, freshman year, it's one thing. But when it's like sophomore, junior year, senior year, and you're like, okay, there's three months where I don't have money for like beer or food, you know, you kind of yeah. need to do something. Um, my mom's school district, like they're, they always want substitute teachers. There's always a need. And especially around holidays, right? You got teachers going out for like vacations, things like that, going away for New Year's, going away for, for Christmas and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, signed up to be a substitute teacher, um, which was different, right? And it was nothing yeah. like I was, I was a finance major. Like I'm, I was there <laughs> right. for the long run, but, you know, it was really like, like, there for. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something I could step in there and excel at, right? Like. Yeah, it's your wheelhouse, man. It's easy. They're little kids, right? Just relate to them and get the point across of what they need to learn. Uh, and it's it's human relationships at the end of the day. So, like, yeah, I mean, uh, I've definitely known I have a teaching ability. It was a thought at one point early on. Do I want to be a teacher? But for me, the biggest thing is, like, if you want to teach, like, you can teach material. But the best teachers you always remember are the ones who taught more than just a book or or a class here, right? They taught life experiences, they taught like valuable knowledge. Um, I mean, uh, it could be inside of like, or like inside of the classroom, even outside the teachers that take their time to be like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? Like, are you going to college? Like what, what's your plan and things like that. And you know, that you don't need to go to school to that. That's more about being a human. And I, I think I've always had that embedded in into me. Um, so teaching was always one of those things that I would do it, but I want to have practical life experience in order to shed that knowledge. Cause if I came out of college and had a degree and a master's, right. And I'm like, all right, here, yeah, I'm teaching the book. Right. But the, the, there's no added value. What can I reflect yeah. on? It's like, I don't know. I went to college and party and now I'm here. Like <laughs> it's important to, to want to give back more than what the book, uh, more than just the book, I should say. So yeah, when it comes to teaching music, I mean, you're combining two, two existing passions uh, for me. Um, and I think one day down the career, uh, I'll find a way to to have that be a revenue stream, you know, teaching electronic music production. I don't think I, I really have the time or capacity, nor am I at that like level where I need to be like charging people, right? Because I'll do a Zoom session with the homies, right? But it's like, how yeah. I love sharing information and showing people how to do things. Um, yeah, we're going to jump back on those when I get back going again a little bit. Those, yeah. are, those are great. Let's do I love it. Those Fire it up. But, um, you know, now's not the time, but one day for sure. I would, I'd love to give back. Um, cause knowledge is power at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Tudor, what else you got, man? No, I kind of with that, um, what you just said there, Xander, like giving back. And I know Benny's talked to me a good bit about that. Cause I just 
have, like I said, no musical background, but I pick his brain at that stuff because I think it's cool. And it just seems like that community, especially with electronic music, is very much helping each other and bringing each other along. Like Benny was telling me he'd reach out to some DJs that he really looked up to and they might send him some stuff that they've made up and been like, Hey man, like listen to this or offered some advice. Like, is that kind of just the whole culture rather than competing? You're just kind of all in it together. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really good point. Um, with uh, like, there's only many, only so many times you can reinvent the wheel, right? And it's not secret knowledge, like with with music, especially with, with new music being released. Nobody's reinventing the wheel. Uh, it's not some prized possession where it's like, oh, you have the wheel, but I have this. So I'm not going to tell anyone how I did this. Um, it, it It is a very like uh, giving and, and strong community in the sense that they're happy to, to share knowledge, whether they're a huge DJ or whether they're someone, you know, small like me uh, at the end of the day, like artists most artists you know there's always bell curve with things exceptions and shit like that but most people are happy to share what they did how they did it and things like that um and i think that's a really good part of it right because the last thing i would ever want to get into is just some like doggy dog world where everyone cares for themselves and it's like oh you want to learn how to do this fuck you you can't right and especially with the power of just how COVID has shifted everything um, online. Like we we have streams now, right? On Twitch of big, like Elenium, a good example, right? Elenium's breaking down how he makes tracks, right? Blank is another artist that do it, right? Tons of people, or they even give feedback, right? So I'm going to send a demo to Wookie, right? And Wookie's going to critique it, right? That You can't get that anywhere else. And I think the, the EDM community is way more receptive to that. Um, but yeah, like, a, a good example is literally I was I hopped in a Wookiee stream, sent him music. Um, I sent him like two demos and he was like, damn, you're really good. And then fast forward a couple of months later, I'm just like in his chat chilling one day. And he was like, you want to collab? And I was like, wait, what? And so sure enough, he sent me a fucking like st- silly little beat he was working on. And I made a drop and he made another one. Right. Um, so do I need to follow up with him? Yeah. <laughs> we got to get some more. Yeah, you know. But it's guys a legend, but it's like yeah. little things like that, you know, like people are online. Um, they're, they're not afraid to show what they're doing and how they do it. And they're happy to help other people like along the way, because, you know, at the end of the day, without everyone else and their influences and, and their styles merging together, like music would be, nothing they would go nowhere either it's a community we build off each other creatively collectively um and, and kind of push the boundaries together so uh, i'm all for it i do like this and that's that's awesome that's it's very accurate portrayal from my experience too but especially someone like you you're you're digging in more you've made more tunes and stuff you're further along in the path than your hard work's going to start paying off man i everything you send is great um I'm excited to see where it goes. Any assistance I can provide, you know, us at the brand too on the direction for this project. We're we're here, man, for sure. Before yeah. we go though, any closing statements, comments, what uh what do you got to sign sign off here? Make sure you plug everything, like your socials and all that stuff too. Hmm. I okay, well, definitely will that. I feel like one thing I definitely want to touch on and like being uh, I guess it goes back to like being close with Cavo, right? But 
you know, me as a young artist trying to find my way and like Justition as a young brand trying to find its way. Like I, I think something that maybe you guys don't realize at a, at a whole level is the influence you guys have right on other people. Cause like you yourself have a community, right? And we just touched on that with, you know, communities and sharing things like that. But like, Justition, believe it or not, is a huge source of motivation for me because I look at a guy like Calvo who didn't know what the fuck he was doing on a trip in Costa Rica, and now he's making shit happen, right? And uh, it's not just Calvo. Obviously, you got, uh, you know, tons of people, whether it's you, Maddie, um, you know, people behind the scenes like Derek, Todd's ripping a podcast right now. You know, it takes an army and things like that. But just overall as a brand, you know, you guys make moves and it days when i sit here and i look at my computer i'm like fuck i have no motivation to do something and it's like oh look dishon just got posted on chiclets and it's like i know those guys <laughs> i know the hard work that goes in and like this is just the beginning and things like that or even like the jordan one skates right with complex and everyone fucking eating those up going viral like shit like that it's like i'm seeing their hard work like pay off and i was like i need to work harder right because i have to keep reminding myself it doesn't get built overnight um, but yeah, no, y'all are definitely huge, huge motivators for me, inspirations, uh, for me to push my career further too. Uh, and I don't think we got to touch on that. So all yeah, gestation, keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing, you know? Thank you, Xander. The boys will appreciate that. And same to you, man, right back at you for sure. But it's been such a pleasure having you on. This is just the first of many. I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion. This is going to be another recurring guest. Let's um, go, baby. Um, right yeah, on. for sure, bro. Plug, plug the socials, any release dates, whatever you got yet. I know you might not have a date yet, but we don't have a date yet for the uh, new tune. Hint, hint. The title is called Radiant. So keep an eye out for Radiant. <laughs> I didn't even hear the mixed down version, and it friggin' rips. Boys and girls. Oh goodness. I'm oh flattered. My God. I'm flattered. Yeah. We definitely we're definitely pushing the boundaries on that one. But Radiant Radiant will be coming soon on uh Spotify, Apple Music, all your streaming platforms, things like that. But if you want to catch me on social media, it's always just it's Xander's music, ITS Xander with an S at the end of the music. So fire it up. Uh instant Twitter, you know. Love to love to shit talk on Twitter too. So if anyone wants to chirp me, fire at it. You boys in Finland, I don't know, say some shit. I'll I'll hit Google <laughs> Translate and chirp you right back. But <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on too. It's it, it was good, uh good to connect back with you, Benny. And nice to meet you, Todd, and same with Derek. Yeah. You know, keep doing what you're doing, guys. Proud, proud to see Rome being built. You know, <laughs> same to you, brother. Appreciate you coming Absolutely. on. We'll definitely do it again soon. Yes, sir. All right. Be good, boys. Later. Later.